I'm sharing from the word this morning. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1. As, this is like one of those favorite you know, passages of the Bible. Um, and uh, I want you to just kind of like uh, allow the word to soak. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear the word, okay? Because that, that's the best thing, okay? Uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Oh, come on, church. Let's get excited. Do you know what I mean? It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. <laughs> you know, it's okay to be excited about the word. There, you know, Ephesians 2 is one of those incredible passages of scripture. It's just full of truth and declaration about what God has done for us. It's, it, it, it's like a, an amazing kind of list of, of how God has acted in our lives. We see it. Paul outlines the miracle of what it means to be alive in Christ. He says, you were dead in sin. We were given over to the craving of our flesh. We were deserving of wrath. That's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is found in the fact that we are sinful. I don't know if that's news to you this morning, but actually most of us already know that, don't we? Most of us know that even the stuff we kind of want to do, we never quite pull off. Hello? There's something in us that, that leans towards doing the things that are important to us. And if other people get hurt in the business, well, that's just life. It's called sin. It's, it's fundamental to the human nature since the fall. It's just part of who we are and what happens within us. And so therefore we just have to recognize the, uh, the calling of God upon us to, to, to see what God's done in our lives. And Paul goes on to say it. He says we've been made alive in Christ. In other words, we've come alive to know and understand the grace of God in our lives. Anybody know what that feels like today? <laughs> We've been made alive. Once we were dead in sin, once we didn't understand the love of God, once we couldn't relate to a father God, once we could only think of God as an angry person in the sky who just hated us and everything we did. But now we've been made alive by him and there's hope in our hearts. It says we've been raised up into his presence. Come on, we've been made alive. And so we need to be a church, uh, a people that recognize that and honor it and, and take hold of what God has done. And it's been seated with him by grace through faith. And this is the gift of God into our lives and for our lives. Wow, what a great truth. You know what, if you just take that home today, that's great. It's going to feed your spirit. It's going to give you strength. It's going to give you life. That God has worked in us and through us for his good and for his glory. It's vital for us to understand what has happened to us when we become Christians. Listen, it's vital for us to know the truth of it. You know, sometimes people just get very experiential about this whole thing. Sometimes people just get, well, you know, I feel something. Friends, feelings won't last. You've got to know the truth. 
Because it's knowing the truth that sets you free. It's knowing that you were a sinner before God who has been saved by his grace. Because feelings won't last. You know, you can come to church and you can feel a little bit of the presence of God and you can feel a kind of like, well, it's a nice feeling. I'll go there because they're nice people. Trust me, they're not. They're just like everybody else. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all the same. The only thing that's happened here, friends, is we know we're sinners and we need grace. That's the only difference. And so when we understand that and we know that, then it becomes the basis in what we live. And, and Paul here starts to talk about what's happened to us when we become Christians. He starts to talk about this kingdom shift. He starts to talk about this, this change in our lives. And he says in Colossians 1, he says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He says, hey, there are two kingdoms going on here. There's the kingdom of darkness that is operating in the world that we were once part of. The kingdom that seeks to oppress and rob and to destroy and to rob people of the peace and the love and the connection with God the Father. And friends, that's the world that we live in that's the connection the disconnection that the world has but we've been made alive in Christ and brought into this kingdom of his son whom he loves amen and that's the hope of the church hey friends that's what keeps us going through life it's not feelings tell you any of us who followed Jesus for five years or more will tell you it's not feelings that's kept us following him it's faith it's a belief in who he is and what he's connected us into and what he's brought us into because friends the feelings change I don't know about you, but my feelings can't be relied upon. I can feel depressed in the best of days. How about you? I can feel miserable in the worst. Of, uh, I can be joyful in the worst of days. Why? Because feelings are not the guide to our life. Faith is. So we understand what God has done for us. And he's brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. Uh, Paul says again in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, listen, followers of Jesus, your kingdom is not of this world. It's of the next. That's the hope of the church. Now listen, we need to hold securely to the hope of the church. Our kingdom is not in this world, it's in the next. Our hope is not in this world, it's in the next. Our expectation is not in this world, it's in the next. Our dreams are not about this world, they're in the next. I want to talk about living with a sense of destiny today. See, destiny is a very overused word in all kinds of lives and circumstances and situations. People talk about it. Everybody, have you noticed, everybody has to have a destiny today. Nobody can just do life. Have you noticed? Or is it just me? Everybody has a dream. Friends, I want to say to you, destiny is about making the most of your life as a disciple of Jesus here. It's about fulfilling the calling of God upon you. And, and we live with it. Sometimes, if we're honest, we can forget that we belong to the kingdom of heaven. It's a little like belonging to the EU. It didn't really mean much until we left. And then all of a sudden, it's an awful big thing. Come on, it's true, isn't it? I've never seen anybody not so activated about the EU for all my life. And then we leave it and everybody's up in arms. The whole world's going to fall to bits. Friends, I don't care where you vote. Friends, it's a bit like that. We can live taking it for granted. And it's only when it's gone that we understand. I'm going to knock this over today. I'm just getting a bit excited, so I'll calm down. We've got to understand what, what, what it's about. And God's called us to live with a sense of destiny. The daily issues of life can become more immediate and take over our focus and our energy. But we have to live with this backdrop, this understanding of a greater sense of destiny because we are part of the kingdom. And I want us to focus on this verse today, um, which helps us do that. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Paul gives us here a, a broad kind of outline of what it means to live with a sense of destiny for the kingdom. He gives us kind of like a, just an overview. He says, listen, if you can take hold of this, it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works. You're not saved by works. But then listen, if you can understand this, it helps you frame your life. And I, want you, I just want to provoke you this morning just to think a little bit about, okay, how do I live my life? How do I live with a sense of destiny? For the kingdom of God, for God's kingdom. And Paul gives up three things I want to kind of like just focus on today and, and kind of hang it on today. Because living with a sense of destiny uh, affects three areas of our lives that he gives. Firstly, it affects our identity. Our identity. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. See, if you're going to live with a sense of destiny, you have to really understand who you are in Christ. If you're going to live with a sense of destiny, you've got to understand what it's about, that you're following him, that you're a disciple of Jesus, that you've connected to him and and coming after him. Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower, hey, guess what? You've got to follow. You've got to identify yourself as one who follows me and who seeks to come after me. You've got to walk after me. You've got to pursue me. You've got to be obedient. You've got to recognize that I'm doing something in you that changes you. He said to his first disciples, if you're going to come after me, I'm going to make you fishes of men. I'm going to change your identity. That's what he said. And so we need to understand that for believers of Christ, he's here to change our identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The first thing God does in our lives is his, he creates a new identity. He gives us new life in him. Now identity is a complex thing, isn't it? it our identity comes from our background, our nationality, our upbringing, our personality. They all affect our identity. They're all aspects of it. And they don't disappear because we become a Christian. But when we become a Christian, there's something added to identity. We become citizens of heaven. We become new creations in Christ. Something changes in us and we take hold of him and what he's done for us. We become identified as the people of God. And if you go back into the Old Testament, you find this covenant promise that God started with Abraham thousands of years ago. Uh, Go, I will make you a blessing. I will make you a blessing. I will, I'll pour out. And he actually says to him these things, which is really interesting. I haven't got time to preach on it. Uh, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Isn't that interesting? He says, go from the things that give you an identity, your country, your people, your father's household. Where do we get identity from? From those three things. He says, go from those things and move into the new territory that I have for you, and I will then give you a new identity as my people. See, that's the process of God, that actually we leave the old life and we enter into the new life in him, that we leave the things that have identified us in the past and we take hold of his identity for us in the future. That's what God wants to do and contribute into our lives. And we see that promise overflowing in the New Testament. The Apostle Peter writing to the church says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. He says, this is what changes. There's an identification with God that is important for us to understand because when we, don't, when we miss that identity, it, 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 we forget how to live with destiny. When we forget who we are. When, when I was a kid, I'd be going away on holiday and my mum, you know, should sit me down. I'd go be camping. I'd be going to Soul Survivor, well, the equivalent, Thorpe. <laughs> and my mother would say to me these words, just as I got in the car, remember who you are, and who you serve. And what she meant for that was, 
If you do anything that disgraces my name, you're in real trouble. You get a clip around the ear when you get back. And remember, you're a Christian. So don't do anything that would dishonor that. She said, make sure your identity and your behavior lives up to your identity. See, it's part of that, isn't it? We have to understand our identity in Christ. And Paul gives us two aspects of what identity means. Firstly, he says we've been made alive in Christ, created in Christ Jesus. Three friends, it's true. You cannot be a disciple of Christ without being created by him. Something has to happen. Jesus said a man must be born again by the Spirit of God. It has to happen. You know, it's not just the case. Now, when it happens, I don't know, that's a bit of a mystery. I'm not going to say it has to happen here or there. God brings people through all kinds of journeys. But listen, it's the Spirit of God that brings people into relationship with him. And he creates us in Christ Jesus. And what happens is we go from thinking about Jesus and thinking, well, I'm not sure I believe in him, to, hey, you know what? I don't just believe in him, I follow him. I believe in him with all my heart. And I'm seeking to live for him in my life. And this is what John wrote about in John's Gospel. We read it every Christmas time. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Friends, when you give your life to Christ, something happens in the heavenly realms, and you come alive in God. Made alive with him. Hey, that's good news, isn't it? And we need to hold that identity in that place. We need to recognize, hey, I'm not just Dave Ailing walking through this world. I'm Dave Ailing, the child of God. My mother's coming to stay tomorrow. I'm her son, too. I don't forget that. She's still 79 and she's still got a fist that'll sort me out any day she wants. I'm her, her son. I was going to say her daughter, but that wouldn't be right. I'm her son. But I'm also the Lord's son. I've been born again. I've been made alive. It's, I'm created in Christ. I'm not just religious friends. In fact, I'm probably one of the most irreligious people you'll ever meet. I, I, I'm not bothered about religion. I haven't got time to do it. I don't, I don't want to have to get my knees and pray every day just to please God. I can't do it. If that was a religion, friends, I would be outside today doing something different. I'm here because I'm a child of God. I'm here because God's changed me from the inside and he's born me again. And so I want you to understand today, there's something that happens within us. He gives the right to become children of God. Secondly, our identity comes, that our identity is built on the fact that we are his handiwork. Don't you love that? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're his handiwork. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, some of you are going to struggle with that. Some of you are not going to say anything. Do you know what I mean? You're his handiwork. Listen, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has designed and created us to be his children, to live in the truth of who he is. Listen, that doesn't mean we don't have problems. It doesn't mean we don't have hang-ups. It doesn't mean all those things. What it means is in the middle of that, we have to learn the truth that God has invested his creativity and love in us. And therefore, whatever happens in life, we can't identify ourselves by those things. We have to identify ourselves by who God is. See, when your identity is framed by God's love and power, you start to think about yourself differently. You start to think, with my God, I can. With my God, I am. 
It's when, you're, when, when you don't have confidence of those things that everything becomes about you and it's what you can do. And, and your identity is limited to the flaws of your nature. And let's face it, we've all got flaws, haven't we? But when you understand who God is in you, when you understand that God loves you, when you understand that you're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, that he invested his creativity in you, sometimes I find that hard to believe, don't you? I look at other people and I think, where's the creativity, Lord? (laughs) Or is it just me? And people look at me and think, what were you thinking, Lord? Come on, that's how we think, isn't it? Because we just see on the outside. But the Bible says God doesn't see. God doesn't bother about the outside so much. He bothers with the heart. What's going in? What's going on? What's this about? And God loves us and has made us with potential and uh, abilities and design that we might use what we have for his glory. Listen, there are no mistakes to God. Some people grow up with that. You're a mistake. Friends, you're not a mistake. The Bible says that when you're in the womb, God knew you and had a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what people say, friends, when your identity is found in God. There are no failures in God. There are no rejects in God. You know, I was, um, oh, I don't know if I can, I, I was reading the news, I don't know about you, but I got the news on my iPod and I was just flicking through and I was on BBC Channel and even today. See, sometimes we are more concerned about some lives than we are other lives, aren't we? And we get, we get, we get a bit overwhelmed just by the, I don't know about you, but every day I've turned on the, uh, the news thing and it's just bad news everywhere, isn't it? And I was just scrolling through and another nine people had been found in a boat dead on the Mediterranean. And I just scrolled like that to the next piece of bad news. And the Lord said to me, I knew those people, Dave. As clear as day, I knew those people, Dave. They were precious of my sight. See, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we've got to recognize that when we're followers of Christ, when we're taking hold of it, we've got to be able to say, Lord, I I see myself differently. I've become a child of God. Therefore, I'm going to carry myself. How do I live with a sense of destiny? I understand that who I am and who I serve. That's the identity that I carry for the living God. See, the enemy of your soul will try and destroy your identity as a son of God or as a daughter of God. It'll make it feel as if it's based on your works when the Bible's just told us it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the grace of God poured into your life. And so you need to take hold of it and say, you know what, Lord, this is who I am in you. He'll make you feel a sinner rather than a saint. He'll make you feel like a slave rather than a son. All these things will come against you to try and rob you of the goodness of God. But we've got to start to believe what God says. We are his handiwork created in Christ. Second thing is purpose. Purpose. We've been given purpose to do good works. And about you, but you see, our destiny is wrapped up. If we can live with a sense of destiny, we begin to recognize that our destiny flows out of the works that God has given us to do. See, everybody wants to have this great destiny. There's a restlessness in society today that is looking for adventure and fulfillment and that is just trying thing after thing after thing. Every day, every time you talk to people, you know, I, it was funny, I was praying with uh, people in Germany last week, these lovely young German, young Christians, zealous, uh, but there was an anxiety about them, about the future. Would it be significant enough? Would there be, and I'm praying the peace of God unto them, I'm saying, Lord, this is, this is just sad, Lord. 
Because everybody's expectations are so high, nobody can enjoy the journey. Man alive, it frustrates me. How many of you know Jesus called you to enjoy life, not to endure it? Sometimes you have to endure it, but that's so you can enjoy it. It's not just called, oh, I've got to make friends. Sometimes we're trying to build so much out of our lives, we can't even enjoy the day. We want every day to be extraordinary. The clue is in the name. Most days are ordinary, not extraordinary. If you live to be 80 years old, you'll spend 29,200 days upon this earth. I want to say to them, most of them will be ordinary. Won't they? Some of them will be really hard. And you'll carry yourself through grief and pain and sorrow and opposition. But they won't be many in the light of 29,000. Some of them will be amazing. You'll fall in love. You'll get married. You'll have children. You'll go on adventures of your lifetime. But friends, they won't be merry out of the 29,000. Most of the days will just be ordinary. So you need to decide, I'm going to live with purpose in the ordinary days of my life. Otherwise, we're waiting for the extraordinary days when God's going to use me mightily. Friends, God doesn't need to use you mightily. He just needs to use you in the day where you are. And that can only happen if you have this purpose in God. I'm going to do good works. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going going to do what God's created me to do and to be. I'm going to use what God has put within me. The key to living with a sense of destiny is not always wanting to do great things, but to do the small things of life well. That's what destiny is about. That's how we fulfill destiny. That's how we get to places where we want to get to. There's nothing wrong with dreams. I'm not saying don't dream. I'm not trying to clip your wings. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just saying to you, recognize in the midst of all of that, that actually most of life is made up of doing what you have to do today and doing it with all your might. That's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Listen to this great verse. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. From the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. There's a great verse for today, isn't it? It's true though, isn't it? So whatever you do, how do you live with a sense of destiny? You make the most of today. You say, I'm going to do good works today. I'm going to take the opportunities that I have today. There are opportunities everywhere that we go. To do either small things or great things for the kingdom of God and for other people. And that is how you give your life a sense of destiny. You say, you know what? I'm not just waiting for the big moment to arrive. I'm going to use what I have now to make a difference for God. Wherever I am, in the, in the context of my work, of my home, uh, in the context of where I minister, in the context of my ability and my gifting, I'm going to make a difference. With the people who surround me, I'm going to make a difference. Because that's what God is calling me to be and to do. God has created you just as you are so that he can use you just as you are to serve others. Romans 12 says this, we each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to the faith that you have. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage If it is giving, then give. If it is lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Living with a sense of destiny gives purpose to the small things in your life that contribute to the purposes of God. Friends, I'm not saying don't dream. I'm saying don't build your whole life on what will happen tomorrow, but take hold of today and use it to do good. Because that's how tomorrow you'll be in the place you need to be. Jesus told us to follow him day by day. See, the problem is so many of us are thinking about tomorrow. We can't 
enjoy or do today what God's called us to do. Remember Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. I sometimes think that Christians haven't read that verse. Because we spend all our lives wondering about what's going to happen tomorrow. What, how are we going to do this? What, what if, what if, what if? And all it does is produce anxiety in the people of God. When actually Jesus tells us to use today to do what we can for his kingdom. So that his kingdom can come. And so that we will fulfill the purposes of God in our lives for his kingdom. Thirdly, Paul talks about our perspective. I love this picture. It feels a bit weird when you look down on it. We've got to get a right perspective. He says this, right there, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What a little phrase. All of a sudden, Paul says, listen, you've got to see your life in the light of the purposes of God. That God has his hand upon you and he's seen through eternity to when you exist and he's made a plan. Wow, that's something, isn't it? See, we all run around thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, going to do this, going to do this. Everything's going to come to pass. Listen, God has seen your life and has gifted and created you to serve him and to serve others with all your might so that you can make a difference on the earth for him. Some of us will just make a little difference. Some of us will make a big difference. It doesn't matter, friends. The thing is that we're faithful to what God gives us to do. And so Paul says, you've got to have the right perspective in your life. You've got to see your life as part of the purposes of God. You've got to see it about what God is seeking to achieve. Because whatever we might achieve or receive in this life is not as significant as what God is bringing about in this world. Hello? You know, the day that Jesus comes back again, which we've been singing about all morning, by the way, everything that we have in this life will seem very unimportant. Hello. Friends, this is the truth, isn't it? That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus is returning again to complete his work of redemption in our world. That one day every eye will see him. Friends, that's what we believe, isn't it? If we don't believe that, I don't know why we're following Jesus. But if we do believe that, it changed our perspective. Because the Bible says we are only strangers on this earth. We're travelers through it. I don't know about you, but some of us travel with a lot of stuff, don't we? Some of us travel heavy. I'm going camping in two weeks. You should see my car, man. Two weeks traveling. It looks like I'm I'm moving the whole house. Beg for a smaller tent. It's not going to work. I'll move on, love. eh? But you see, the truth is our perspective has to come from, from the Lord. See, can I honestly say, can I just be honest for a minute? Sometimes having a heavenly perspective about our lives is the last thing we put into practice. Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes recognizing that these light and momentary troubles are actually achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, that's a perspective issue, isn't it? See, the truth is, some of us aren't, aren't, aren't willing to go through our light and momentary troubles. Because our perspective is wrong. See, your perspective makes you say, you know what, Lord? This, this isn't the only thing that, that is, my life is about. My life is about you and your kingdom. That's what you called me to. See, Jesus never called us so that our lives would be the best that they can be. He doesn't say it anywhere. He says, if you follow me, I'll give you life in all its fullness. 
But you need to have the perspective of heaven. That actually, yes, Lord, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because my perspective is bigger than that. My perspective is bigger than that. Even though I'm walking through financial difficulty, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because my perspective is bigger than that. Even though I'm walking through relational problems, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because my perspective is bigger than that. My perspective is focused on God and his kingdom. Even though people seem to misunderstand me and oppose me for my faith in Christ, I'll walk through it. Why? Because my perspective is bigger than that. Even though I have to decide that I won't do that because that's sinful and it doesn't honor God, I'll still be willing to pay the price. Why? Because my perspective is bigger than that. I'm working for an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. To take hold of what he took hold hold of me. See, this is part of what the early church was all about. Peter again, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We are looking forward to it. <laughs> Friends, it's got to be part of what's in our lives. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we ought to be pitied above all men. What's your perspective today? As you live this life, what's your perspective as you raise your family, as you do your career, as you uh, socialize, as you share? What is your perspective? I think sometimes the Lord wants to remind us, hey, I want you to live as people who are people who have eyes are on the horizon. Jesus said, when you see the signs of the times being fulfilled, I don't know if you want to read them there in Luke, but if you read them, you'll see that it's pretty much what's happening in our world today. He says, lift up your head because your redemption's drawing nigh. He says, you know what? You need to live with a sense that I could come back. Jesus said to his disciples, you need to be alert and watch for the coming of the master. It's a perspective that goes beyond our world and our situations. The heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, they were commended not for what happened while they were on earth, but for the fact that they were longing for a heavenly country. Their perspective had changed. See, when we understand that his perspective is, is the bigger picture, then we can relax and be ourselves and who God's made us to be in this world and stop trying to create our own story with its own sense of significance, but allow ourselves to become part of his story and what he wants to do in the world around us. So we see God wants you to live with a sense of destiny. Take hold of your identity in Christ. We are God's handiwork. That means taking off the old. Sometimes that means having to unlearn some things we've learned about ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. It means giving ourselves to the purposes of God that we could do all the good we can in all the ways we can, wherever God puts us. Thirdly, it's changing our perspective, beginning to see our lives as part of something greater than just us, and recognizing that God is working out his purpose in us and through us for his glory and his goodness. Let's pray. As we come to the close of our service this morning,
just want to say to you today, God wants you to live with a sense of destiny in him, a sense of who you are. You know, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus just yet. Jesus came and died on the cross so that you could have a new identity, that you could be a new creation in him, that you might discover a greater purpose, which is following him and living for him and doing good, that you might live with a new perspective, which is called faith, faith in him and what he's done and what he's coming to do. You've already been given an opportunity this morning to uh, pray, to respond to Jesus. So as we close our service, I just want to say to you, if you'd like to know more about that, then I've just got a little booklet for you called Next Steps. Just an opportunity for you to come and say, you know what, I, I want to take hold of God's destiny for my life. And pray with you. And you can step into the purposes of God for your life. But this morning I want to just talk to each one of us today, before we leave this place, go into the joyful day of the summer. God wants you to just take hold of your identity in him. Perhaps for some of you today, you've got to let go of some stuff. Say, so, you know what, I've been told I'm this, but actually I know I'm a child of God. I'm going to live in the truth of that. I'm going to take that off me today. I'm not going to allow it to bind up my life anymore. But I'm going to be free to be who God's called me to be. You need to change your perspective and see what God has called you to do. Recognize that your life is lived before him and that he will use you and bring you into his kingdom. And so be strong today, even in the midst of difficulty. Be of good cheer because the Lord is with you. Allow his perspective to fill your life today. I wonder, could we stand just as we come to the close of our service? Father, I just pray this morning, Lord, for each one of us gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, that we're your people. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you have a good plan for our lives. I thank you, Lord, that as we follow you, Lord, Lord, as we live for your purpose, Lord, Lord, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, that we have been made alive with you, Lord. I pray that we'd never lose that sense, Lord, of Lord being born again, Lord being made alive in Christ. Lord, that you've invested, Lord, your creativity and your power in our lives and gifted us and made us, Lord, with our personalities, with all our weaknesses, Lord, with all our strengths, Lord, you love us. I pray, Lord, you surround us, Lord, with your presence today and that we would live in the, the truth of who we are in you. Pray you'd help us, Lord, to do good works, Lord. Lord, to take the opportunities that come into our lives, Lord, to serve others in your name and to do good, Father, for your kingdom's sake. And Lord, help us, Lord, to take a perspective of the kingdom, Lord. Help us to see that our lives are bigger, Lord, than just what we do. But Lord, we're part of your kingdom, called by your name, called to serve you. And help us to serve the Lord with gladness, Lord as we live for you. Lord, if we're going through tough times today, I pray for those of my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who are struggling, Lord, who are weary, Lord, who are heavy laden. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't just tell us, Lord, but you come alongside us. So I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your people today. Lord, as they keep their eyes on you, Lord, you would strengthen them. Lord, cause them to know that, Lord, you walk with them. Lord, that you surround them. 
Lord, that you empower them to live for you. So I thank you for your presence here today. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless your church. It's been great to be here today. Thank you.